it starts as an itch. And then the itch becomes more persistent. And it's not in any particular place. It's everywhere. It's all over your entire being. It feels unpleasant at first. Then it starts to hurt. And the pain intensifies and gets stronger and stronger and stronger until it burns over your entire body, mind, and soul. It goes on like this for seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, years. Time doesn't matter. There's only the pain, that feeling that with each passing span of what used to be time, feel yourself diminish and grow weak. And then something different. You feel a pinch and a tug. And this hurts in a different way. Like you're being pulled backwards through mud and muck until suddenly out and there's flitting shadows around you and the pain the pain is less now but there are voices one close one far this one this one came from that Really? And you would just give this to me? Not give, no. A trade. I will give you this soul. In order that we may share a servant for a time. It would serve you. It would do your bidding, but it would belong to me, so that when the time is right, when you have raised this servant to more powerful heights, to be more useful, that I may call upon you, and this servant in particular, I see. Well, and there would be no cost to me at all. No, old friend. No cost to you. Only that we continue to have such productive and mutually beneficial conversations. And what about the other thing that I asked of you? That is beyond my power at the moment. Give me time. And when this soul is ripe, its services. Done. Do we need the soul's consent? Well, I don't see the harm. What about it, little soul? Do you consent to end your immortal suffering and live out time on the mortal plane in service to two masters? Sanjana, do you consent? <laughs> Thank you.
during the cave-in, something struck your chest. Uh, thankfully, there were no broken bones. Your breastplate really took a lot of it, but it was really severely dented. But you're kind of trapped under quite a bit of rubble. And you're finding that not only is it harder and harder to breathe because of the weight, you're also getting this cough. And you're trying to dig yourself out of this rubble. You're making some progress, but then the rubble and scree just slides back down and you're back where almost you started. Every once in a while, you have to stop to cough. <laughs> and then you have to cough a little more. And as you're digging, it's getting harder and harder to exert yourself. And then you cough again and you feel that taste of copper and wetness on your lips. And with your dark vision, you can see that there is a sort of dark stain of blood on stone. Ugh, okay. You spend the last hours of your life trying to dig your way out as the blood slowly pools in your lungs, suffocating you. It's just before the final moment of your death that something interesting happens. That chunk of kyanite on your wrist the one that turns into the sword for you, and you fire all kinds of interesting types of bolts from it. One might say, Eldritch. <laughs> you feel it on your wrist as something that's hard and cold. Then you feel it melt, and little tendrils of inky black ooze start to wrap around your wrist, and cover your hand and start to spread up your arm, covering you in a layer of oily black skin, like Metamucil and printer's ink. Jesus. It stings for the first second as it spreads, sort of a pins and needles sensation, but then whatever part of your body is covered just goes totally numb. It's now over your entire arm. It's over your shoulder. You can feel it spreading up your neck and down your back. You can feel it spreading across your cheek until, out of the corner of your eye, a curtain of black closes over you. Name a recent memory. Something that happened in the hours you were mapping the tunnels. Um, I remember, um, I remember dark. Well, no, I remember, I remember light. Uh, I I lit uh, a torch uh, with the light cantrip, and I gave and I gave it to Greg. Um, I remember um, I remember the I remember the caverns, like winding and, and splitting. I remember I remember our tactic. Um, right or left, left. It's always <laughs> it's always left. Um, that memory starts to blur, then fades. Tell me about a place that you used to go as a young child when your mother was in one of her moods. God, she was always in one of her moods. Um, th there, were, there were two places. Um, the, first, uh, the first was our wine cellar. Um, it was an absolutely ghastly place. It was, it was, like, it was like dark. It was, um, it was like dank and damp. Um, but the reason I went there is because it was like quiet. Uh, it served, it served to like, it served for like meditation to like collect yourself. I didn't, I didn't discover um, the second place uh, until, until I met, um, until I met. And it blurs and it fades Ugh. and that dark pit, the dank place where you used to go because it was quiet. It's not there anymore. That memory is gone. By now, your entire body is covered in that thick, inky black goo with an almost imperceptible rainbow sheen, like gasoline on water over a fresh black pavement. Goodness. Bent, tell me about the first time you had to kill someone when you were in the army. Um, I don't, I, 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 re I remember, I remember my friends being killed. Um, 
I remember killing a lot of people in the military. I don't remember killing anyone specifically. Um, is, is it sadder <laughs> that I remember? Is it more sad that I remember the bloodshed? Uh, and like not specifically the people, the, the faces of those that I absolutely just destroyed. Um, it was like, it was like a dance. <laughs> Here's the thing. You did remember those faces, but now you don't. They're gone. They're, they're faded. They're blurry. A black curtain spread across them. Tell me about the moment you found the Kyanite. Well, it's pretty easy to remember. It was the first battle, the last battle, last true battle I was in. Um, I was a private under the noble lead of, um, what was his name? God. He was struck down by that monstrous brute. Um, my lieutenant, he fought and he died. The, the, the sword from the brute that fell him laid at my feet i i i ran i ran i ran from i ran from his death i ran from the battle it's harder and harder to keep that in mind it's getting so blurry and it's getting so dark bent that memory is gone now in reality, the vaguely humanoid form that was you is starting to dissolve and sag. Even the outline of your once gleaming breastplate caves in, leaving only those pearly white Asimar ribcage dripping with black sludge. Bent, before you go, describe the single most important moment in your life. <laughs> Um, it was Vestin, my guardian angel, with sprouted wings, his hand outstretched, um, helping me to fly. It's my favorite memory. That memory starts to blur. But before, every time a memory would blur, it was just pins and needles and fade to black. But this hurts. That blurring, it, it, it's painful. It's searing. It's, it's like nails on a chalkboard as that fade moves across, that black curtain. It hurts so much, you try to scream, but fleshless bones don't scream. So you fight it instead. You push at the edges of that fading, closing iris of blur and darkness. Focusing in, trying to keep that one precious memory crystal clear. In a movie, we would fade the shot from a freeze frame of Vestin's face and then just slowly zoom out to a cross section of a cave-in with a gleaming, pearly white Asimar skeleton. Wing bones spread. Right arm stretched out like the Sistine Chapel painting, just a few inches from an opening in the tunnel. And just under those gleaming ribs, under that sternum, a pulsing kyanite heart. <laughs> Smash cut! We see a robe figure standing over a relatively fresh, muscular, headless corpse. Oh my god. <laughs> a few muttered incantations, a pulse of dark energy, and the corpse is up. Dig. As the rubble is cleared, exposing first your hand, and then your arm, and then the rest of you, some more muttered incantations, and your skeleton shudders and stumbles to rise. Dig. 
as your remains start to pull away stone, exposing more of your fallen comrades, the heart of gemstone melts. It starts to coat your bones in that same inky blackness. But instead of tendrils with motivation and, and methodical spread, it's dripping, it's falling, it's, it's slowly lifting and trying to reach, but it just sort of gives up and splatters against the stone and rocks beneath you. But it's tethered, it's stuck there. It, it, it can't crawl away. Hmm. Mutation. Follow. Your dripping black bones stumble, dragging this puddle of inky blackness behind you, out of the tunnels and into the wine cellar of the keep that you started this whole fiasco in. The robe figure lifts up a wood and iron trap door of a cistern. In. Your bones clatter forward, and you step out into the darkness of the hole, and your bones just fall. No sound, no yelp, just a falling, and in a few seconds, a crash and a scatter of your bones on the dry bottom of a pit, but your bones are still connected by inky black tendrils. The cistern lid creaks shut, leaving your remains in total darkness. Alone with your crystal clear image of Vestin's face. Those eyes that you could just lose yourself in. It was a struggle before to keep that fading iris from closing, from fading out that last thing, that one thing. The struggle is gone, though. It's whatever that trinket was doing to absorb you seems to have stopped. It feels disorganized, disoriented. You take the opportunity to start to reclaim your memories. You first fade out on that glorious image of Vestin, wings outstretched, looking at you with one hand, gesturing for you to follow. The moment when that kyanite thing crawled up your arm and latched itself to your wrist, and you had to fight someone off, and then suddenly there was a sword in their gut, a black stony sword. The faces and the armor and the smells of the moment that you took your first life in that very first battle, the only battle, the last battle, the look of anger, and then disappointment in their face as the life drained from their eyes that it's so clear to you now. How could you have forgotten this? The time when you were a kid and Minvra was just being her usual boisterous, bossing everyone around self and you just couldn't stand it anymore. So you retreated to the cellars and maybe snuck a little bit of the family wine because it was quiet, because it was cold. And that second place, that place you were with Vestin, where he would take you when things got too hectic. But that place isn't as clear. Only being with him is clear. And maybe... Maybe that's why it was so easy to let go of that memory. And you remember everything, and it all comes back in, in the stupid jokes that Brett and Chet would make, your various romantic conquests, of which there were probably way too many. <laughs> all the shopping for clothes that are so ridiculous bright blue, even you know it was a statement. Wine vintages, whether there were notes of charcoal, or, or whether the vintage was good, or, oh, who must have pressed this wine? Gossiping with your school chums about whether this one or that one, whether or not their families were quite as wealthy as they put on. Dance lessons. Your first partner. It was so easy for you, but they just kept stepping on your toes. <laughs> 
you slowly piece it almost all together. The order of those memories is wrong. It needs to be reorganized. There's, but there's time for that. You pull yourself together mentally enough to decide what to do next. First, you pull all of your bones back into a correct articulated skeleton. You give yourself a vaguely humanoid shape, but dripping and inky black. There's no muscles, just the ooze. That skin of darkness. I'm going to assume that your next order of business is to make yourself pretty again. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said you said cistern. Uh, is there any, like, water on the ground? It's fairly dry. Um, sure. One would say bone dry, but no, God. I, I resist the urge. <laughs> um, there's a slight sloping of the floor. Sure. And the farther you get from the trap door, the shallower it gets. At the very deepest part, there is a little bit a couple inches maybe of water, but it slopes up gradually in this pit and the one side is dry. Sure. It's maybe eight by 10. Okay. But it's pretty deep. Okay. Uh, like how far away is the, the opening, the ceiling opening? Maybe 10, 15 feet. It's even with, Dark vision, which you've managed to cobble back together some semblance of sight. Yeah. Even with dark vision, it's really difficult to judge this distance because sure. there's absolutely no light at sure. all. Oh, wait, I can, I, I, I mean, I try to cast the light cantrip on, I don't know, my finger. Can I do that? I don't think you can cast it on a part of your body. Uh, I, okay. Is there anything like laying, like any like sticks or rocks or anything? Laying around, or like you, you said, this place had like stone and whatnot. Can I take like a tiny bit of stone and cast light on it, like a pebble? Sure. Let's say you find a pebble. Okay. Why not? <laughs> make an investigation check. <laughs> yes, make an investigation check in this flashback. Yeah, really. Uh, okay, I cast it on. I cast light on a pebble, so that way I can see. Yeah. Um. With the additional contrast that the light provides. Um, cause dark vision is just black and white and no, and like just, and no contrast whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the, the additional help contrast helps you gauge distances a little better. Um, you definitely could not jump this even if you were at your peak, yeah. but everything's a little wobbly. Like it, you're used to like flexing this muscle and this part moves, but now you basically just have to, I have to pull this section of the goo Ew. to lift this bone. Yeah. It's it's a lot of thought. It's it's a lot. It's very new. It's it's a skill that you don't have yet. That makes sense. Uh okay. Um then uh I I go over to the the puddle area and I would like to I mean how bad do I look? Like all all, all I know, right, is that I'm looking at my hands and it's like skeletal bones with ooze dripping off. I mean, I'd like to look at my reflection. Uh -huh. what the hell I look like. So, have you ever seen Star Trek The Next Generation? I've seen bits and pieces. Okay, so there's an episode uh, called um, Skin of Evil. Okay. It's episode 23. It's, for those who don't want Star Trek spoilers, just skip ahead like 15 seconds right now. Uh, it's the episode where Tasha Yar dies in season one. So in that episode, there's this, there's this creature that sort of rises from an inky black pool, and it's just sort of like uh, a dripping wet mass of like swamp thing with no facial features. Oh, okay, yeah. Congratulations, you are um, swamp thing <laughs> with no Perfect. facial features. Perfect. You are drippy. You are very, very drippy. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh. Um. My wings. I have. I have wings. Um. I. I would like to use. Uh. I would like to use radiant soul to do my wings and try to go up to the ceiling and undo the. I mean, can can I? It, it, does it look like I can try to open up the top? 
It opens by lifting. So if you get enough force behind your flight, then you can push. Okay. I would like to Radiant Soul first. Because this is a aspect of your heritage, you do, in fact, have wing bones. They are just vestigial until you activate your powers. Some black, tenderly, like, a sort of tentacle with, uh... <laughs> so gross. <laughs> with dripping feathers and, like, a thick black soap bubble appears across these wings. And bits of it start to harden into, like, little kyanite shards in feather form, but then those chunks just drip and fall and clatter and then melt and then just roll back into your body. When you flap, a spray of inky goo just scatters across the floor, but you do get some lift. There's some power behind there. Okay. Okay, cool. I Can I... I mean, it sounds like this is... It's like water weight. Uh, can I try to fly up enough to try to open up the latch on the ceiling. Um, Give it a shot. Okay, I would like to do so then. You're going to uh, squash and stretch. You're going to do this sort of squat thing just to try and get as much power out of it as you can. Yeah. Spring up and you flap your now goopy kind of wings. Ugh. And it sort of propels you up. And you, it's it's ungainly. It's, it's jumbled. It's it's a it's a mess and just you're like with a wet slap your body well if you can call it a body just slams against the top of the cistern oh oh so i do hit it okay oh oh wait wait can i can i like maintain flight or like catch on to anything it's too new if that muscle memory isn't there (laughs) because this these aren't muscles you're gonna fall and splat right back down to the oh, bottom. Oh you got your God. wings for a little longer. Keep trying, man. Okay, so wait, have I already landed back down yet, or am I still, like, at the ceiling? You have splatted. You can try again. Okay, I would like to try again, then. Again, splat. <sighs> and this time, the lid just lifts just a little bit. And you feel a slight pinching sensation as the edge of your wingtip gets caught under the trap door. Uh, as it falls and it just it just burns and it stings and it's like being stretched and then just a little snap and you've sort of like goo dripped down and then snapped but a little piece of yourself is still dangling like a snot booger from the ceiling want to try again yes indeed i will keep on trying until i can open this damn door So you keep on trying, and you keep slamming and slamming and slamming. And eventually, because it's a temporary racial ability, your wings just sort of melt. Sure. And now you're laying at the bottom of the cistern as a gooey mess, staring up at this trapdoor. That's all right. I get it. Like, once per log rest, right? Uh, I think. Uh, well, it's it's no time to die. Uh, I will I will until the next long rest. Uh, I am going to be exercising my bones, uh, and the improvisational muscles that control them. Okay, you're getting things together. You're learning how to use your body. You've gotten it to a point where you've actually managed to sort of give yourself the features that you used to have. Just that that chin and and the outline the silhouette of your body but it's just it's solid black goo there's no color to it it's like a black and white cartoon effect can i uh, so i'm gonna focus uh as hard as i can before uh i take a long rest because i don't know how long i'm gonna be here i'm gonna focus as hard as i can to try to create color pigment within the ink I mean, if I can like, physically control it, I might be able to mutate it. So the easiest color, for some strange reason, is magenta. <laughs> okay. I, it's just the way the light reflects off of the oily black goose that's just really easy to get that sort of coppery magenta color. Oh, yeah. Okay. But you can work with that. You start to play with the, the stippling and, and the, the surface features and the way that light reflects. 
And then you get this morpho butterfly blue. Ooh. Oh, so is it is it similar enough to what my uh what my cloak used to look like? Way more iridescent, kind of shiny almost. Sure. It's like reflective. It's it's literally the same color as a blue morpho butterfly's wing. Oh, so it's very fey looking. Yes. Got it. Okay. But you've gotten a color. I've gotten two colors. And if you shift it just a little bit, you can get green. And now you've got three colors. And then Oh, okay. If you shift it just a little bit, you can get yellow and then red. And then you can work your way up to the full color wheel. All the pigments on the board. And then you can start playing with those by changing the uh, surface texture of your ooze. You can sort of play with this and you can get those nice even skin tones and it's work it at first it looks cartoonish there's no shading there's no style it's just you are a cartoon version of banked <laughs> uh well then i will continue to work on it you you fall asleep every once in a while and it's not really sleep so much as it is just have to let down and just um melt for a little while and could be completely motionless for like eight hours. Mechanically, this is your long rest. This is how you sleep. Oh, perfect. Well, it's creepy, but okay, perfect. Yeah. But your bones are still there, gleaming and pearly white, because awesome are bones. Sure. And now you are awake, quote-unquote. I'm making finger quotes for all those listeners out there. You try again. The slamming continues, and you can just manage to get like just a little bit up and out. And just as your wings are about to melt, the trap door just opens, and light shines down. Oh my god, okay. And a black-robed figure is staring down at you. Fascinating. Hi, Scott here, letting you know that this episode of Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies is brought to you by, well, us. Right now, we're looking for sponsors, and if you are interested, you can reach out to us through our website, rfedpod.com. And now, back to the show. Did you know that death dogs have two spinal cords? If you didn't before, you learned at the moment they both snapped under the weight of the collapsing tunnel, forcing you out of your wild-shaped form and into a scared little girl pinned beneath the rock, watching most of your companions scrabble for the exit without you. The one who pulled you out from under the path of the falling monster, the tiefling, had managed to get free and and turned to look at you, grabbing your hand, the firm squeeze of her hand in yours, while you felt that lurching, falling you feel as someone might feel just as they're about to go to sleep. But you're not sleepy. He knows better. You can feel the squeeze of the rock, that, and the sensation of fingers dragging across your scalp. Fighting to hold the air in, knowing that if you exhaled, you would never be able to bring in another breath. Perhaps you even muttered to yourself, I'll shift again. Something small, I'll, I'll dig my way. Before the light snuffs out, and an intense pain, and then sleep. Different sleep. No dreaming. There were times in your life in moments of pettiness when you screamed that you wanted not to dream. But now that you've experienced it, there is nothing that terrifies you more. You haven't been crying, but you feel that dry, crusty sensation anyway. That dry, scratchy feeling. There are no more tears. In fact, that sensation is the only thing you have felt for a while. Your eyes are so dry. 
you start to grow numb to the sensation, unable to respond to it. There's another sensation. Settle it first. Raspberry. Cream. Cold. Distant. Weaker than you remember, as if you're feeling it through a layer of cotton. You grab hold of that sensation, trying to use it to tether yourself, but it just slips away. It slips away to that horrible, dreamless sleep. Something different. Oily. Bitter. Icy. Somehow sickly sweet. Rotting meat with a drop of cheap perfume. But, but that's not... That's not him. Every so often, you get a flash of sensation. You never have any control of them, as if your body is no longer yours. And always backed by that dry, crusty eyes. And the taste of raspberry ice cream. Rough cold stone in your arms, heavy, solid, the straightening of your back as your arms drop the weight, followed by the clack of stone on stone. Now your hands are pulling up chunks of something soft. A vibrating shock runs up your leg with each shuffling step, the cool, wet air on your hands as you drop the soft material into a sack and shuffle back for another handful. The scent of mildew growing stronger in a dark space with the sound of dripping water far away. The scenes are getting longer. Your circle of awareness increases, but the scent of dirt and mildew becomes as persistent as the dry, crusty eyes and the taste of raspberry ice cream. You reach out for him, perhaps to try and say, I'm still here. There's no difference, no flicker of response. Until there is. Your hands are making circular motions, and the smell of silver polish joins the dirt and mildew in the air. You reach out to him, and, and this time, the dry, crusty eyes and the taste of raspberry ice cream, which had been your constant companions, disappear in an instant, replaced by a sudden, sharp pressure in the ears, and the quiver of an eyelid twitching, then an intense, almost painful feeling of warmth on your skin. You start to feel sleepy, but you pull back, fearing the other sleep, where there are no dreams. A pinching on the bridge of your nose, then the smell of ham, just before it turns bad. Then, firm handshake, and everything fades back to that smell of dirt and mildew, with one notable exception. The dry, crusty eyes and the taste of raspberry ice cream are gone. You feel the weight of a tray in your hands, the coolness of the metal, the smell of hard-boiled eggs, mayonnaise, and paprika. In your peripheral vision, a robed figure stands reading some tome. He reaches back absentmindedly and takes a deviled egg from your tray. You strain to get a look, to turn your head, and shockingly, your head does turn. You can't make out what's written on the page. It's too blurry. You reach out to the robed figure with your mind. What are you reading? The figure straightens, looks around the room, and then finally turns around to see that you have turned your head to look directly at him. Well, isn't that interesting? I wonder what else it can do. Calypso, stop that. Oh, Jesus Christ, what's all that racket up in here?
you see a floating, partially transparent figure in front of a pipe organ a little far away. It's stark white with just the faint outline of blue around the edges. It has female features with a ruffled shirt and a coat and long tails, but the legs end in a squiggly wisp of smoke. The apparition hangs her head and sinks into the floor with a dejected look. Uh. Now, uh, where was I? Yes. Rise, my... You know what? Forget forget it. The moment's lost. Just get up. Uh, Greg, you are on your back uh, in a sandbox full of dry dirt and rocky soil. Um, and I don't think we've ever actually adjudicated this. Can you even get up from being on your back? I don't know. I, th- I think I've fallen and I can't get up. <sighs> uh, where... Yeah, I, 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 we're, oh God, where, where the hell am I? Oh, I feel like I'm, jeez, how much, how much liquor did I drink this night? Anyway, you're like super hungry right now, Greg. The last thing you remember clearly was tucking into your shell as the rocks fell down around you. After that, it just sort of becomes a blur of just sitting in the dark for a really long time with nothing but your thoughts to keep you company. Can't imagine what that must be like. And after a while, it started to get like harder to breathe. So you tried to breathe more quickly, but it just wasn't enough. (coughs) Then there was chest pain and then dizziness and chest pain. And then you were here. (sighs) So you were buried alive, but now you feel fine. Just, you know, really hungry. Oh, God, I could use a steak or something. I need something to eat. I need something to eat right now. Um, first, first, I think you should actually get up. No, no, give me something to eat. I know, oh, God, I've never been so hungry in my life. You know I what? I am your creator, and I order you to Who stand. the hell are you? Oh, you're my creator. Get out of here. My parents are my creators. You feel a racking pain throughout your entire body. Oh, oh God. Oh. <laughs> oh, is that the DTs again? Oh, God. Oh. You will obey. Obe- what? You will obey me. Oh, you got to be. Who the hell are you? Racking pain you again. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. I can keep doing this for as long as you need to. I really do need you to get up, though. It's, it's one of those things. I'm not going to feed you like a baby bird. <laughs> so, it, to be honest, dude, I, can, I can't get up. I really can't. Do you need me to, like, roll you onto your side or something? All right, so I guess, um, here. And he just, he grabs the side of you, and he just kind of, like, rocks you back and forth to try and, like, get you over, like, on the one side. And, okay, so one... Ew. Two. All right. Are you up now? Yeah, I guess I'm on my belly, you frig. Uh, You are the most annoying creation I have ever made. I can't believe I wasted an expensive material component on this. (sighs) After you've risen my creation, uh, we have much to discuss. come on. Well, yes, I... I'm technically your sire. I'm, well, you know, not of your kind. What do you mean, sire? That sounds a little, you know, what what are you talking about? What did you do when I was asleep? Asleep is the wrong word for it. You were very much dead. Well, mostly dead. Excuse excuse me? I was, I was dead? Yes, dead. I, that was death? Disappointing, I know. I makes things so much more interesting on my end. As you, you may have... Go... Are you going to talk or am I going to talk? No, you... As you may have guessed, this is not the afterlife. This is more of, um, well, let's say, an unholy continuation of your life under my control. You are now bonded in servitude to me. Your master. Um, how about you can suck my turtle? Racking pain. Uh, you goddamn frig! I will educate you in how to be polite to your master. Okay, well, you know, my uncle tried to make me polite too, and I definitely did not listen to him either. Racking so, pain again. Uh, you goddamn <laughs> frig! 
Okay, can you? Okay, whatever. I'm dead. I'm. De this is the freaking afterlife after 300 goddamn years. Racking pain. Oh God. I'm sorry. That was more of a reflex that time. Let's see. Uh, how to put this? I myself am not a vampire. I am a necromancer. I am Lord Khaled. It's a pleasure to meet you, my servant. I don't really care to know your name at this moment. I'd rather give you a little bit of information. You were not quite dead when I found you buried in all of that rubble, but you were almost there. Certainly brain dead, as I can tell from now. But I happen to have in my possession a blood clot from a powerful vampire that I killed back in my adventuring days. And I was waiting for just the right moment to really use that and sort of build a protege of my own. Although I'm pretty sure this is not going to be working out. <laughs> a protege, Jesus Christ. Servant will do. Yeah, you definitely crawled up the wrong turtle. Feeding you blood clot was a very bad idea. I can see that now. If I had to do it all over again, I would have chosen, I don't know, one of the muscular ones. Anyway, you are the first of your kind. As far as I know, from an academic perspective, you are very interesting. Although, from an interpersonal conversation level, I can tell that I'm going to wish I had sewn your mouth shut. You are... A vampire total. Under my control, I am technically, by technicality, your sire. Here's the fun part. I'm interested to know what you can do. I can play my hatchetomatone. Is that why you bring people up to the dead? You want to be entertained? Jesus Christ. What, what do you mean, what I can do? I, well, it is fun. I do sometimes make the zombies dance for me, but that's this whole separate matter. Hatchetomatone. Explain. Well, it's it's my instrument. I'm a bard, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but the turtles on the half shell, remember they were popular back in the 80s? Which 80s? Because I don't remember when I was... The 80s I remember was only... The last ones. Not the... Not... not listen, I've been... I've, I get you. I've been around for 300 years. But the last 80s... Yeah, it, it, they were kind of, you know, a big a big deal for a little while. And I was the Hatchetomatone player. And, uh... And, yeah, so I... That's, that's what I used to play. And... It, it's a pretty cool instrument. It basically, uh, it, you can make all different tones with it. It's a little difficult. I, I, I could show you, but... Yeah, you don't have any of your equipment on you. All your purses are gone. Yeah, where the hell are my purses? I can't even show yet. I'll have them brought to you later. But for now, I'm more interested in what you can physically do. You see, there are certain things that I've wanted to test for a very long time. Uh, would you mind... Coming with me. Walk with me. Do I even have a choice? Not really. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 I'll walk with you. All right. Let's walk. Where are we walking to? One step at a time, but I could do without the attitude. Um, so you leave the tower, this laboratory-type area. It's the base floor of the laboratory tower, uh, and you enter into the main room area, which you've been in before, where essentially you... Uh, verbally abused several bank employees. And he stands in front of the door to this keep, which he then opens. And he says, I've always wanted to try this. I revoke your permission to be here. And then you start sliding toward the door. Oh my God. What? What? Oh God. What is that? What, oh, what is this? He sort of, like, chuckles to himself from inside the doorway. It's like, all right, you can come on back in. It, what? it works. I'm just really pleased with that. You want me to come in? And then Greg just walks in. Greg, you know, this is crazy, though. You're saying I'm a, I'm a vampire? Vampire? I, I died. Yes, you are, in fact, a vampire. You are dead. That's, that's the 
least interesting thing about this right now. I'm pretty friggin' interested in the fact that I died. Yes, and then I brought you back to be an unliving slave. That's very simple. Well, you obviously are a monster, but go on. Thank you. Now then, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to climb up that wall right over there. Alright, so you want me to... That's a... Oh, you know what? Let's try this out. So you're going to walk up to the wall. You're going to grab a hold of the wall. Then you're going to put one leg up. Uh, yeah, I'm making it. Yeah. I don't, I'm not making it. You're not making it. It's pretty obvious that you're not making it anywhere. It's like, all right, well, that takes... Uh, wall climbing off the lists uh, was really one of the more interesting things about vampires, but all right. Uh, do your best to turn into a cloud of mist, please. Uh, and and how does one... You know what? Whatever. I'm going to try it. All right. Cloud of mist. You're trying really hard. You're, you're concentrating super hard. And then you fart. I, I mean, it's a cloud of something. Is that what you meant? Because I'm really good at that. Khaled just pinches the bridge of his nose and just, just, you are the worst vampire. Just the worst. I mean, you, you turned a turtle into a vampire. What, what did you really expect here? I was hoping, I don't know what I was hoping for. I was just hoping for, well, more than this. Really? Well, at least I can write a very interesting academic paper about you. Other than that, I suppose I shall simply relegate you to manual duties for the time being. You shall serve me as a butler. <laughs> what? Thank you for listening to Rock Small Everyone Dies. It would really help us if you subscribe, share, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Taylor Calise, and additional music this episode by Johann Sebastian Bach. Our thumbnail art is by John Bliss. You can find more of his work on Twitter, at John Bliss Art. That's at J-O-N-B-L-I-S-S-A-R-T. Our episodes are produced by me and co-edited by our resident mushroom, Jin. Our social media manager is our favorite surly turtle, DeSombra. Find more about our various social medias by visiting our website, rfedpod.com.